0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Berean Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Berean Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.breanshoreline.org. All
1: right, before I dismiss the children, I'd like them to come up here, please. Come on up, quickly, or not quickly. Just take your time. How you guys doing? Good. Good. I have a question for you. Do you notice anything different about the sanctuary today? Christmas. Christmas trees. Yeah. Whoa. What do you know? Why do we have Christmas trees up? Because it's almost Christmas. Because it's almost Christmas, right? Just four more weeks. Can you wait that long? Can I ask you guys a question? What are you most excited about for Christmas? Getting presents. A 3DS. A 3DS? Okay, I don't even know what that is.
0: Getting toys.
1: Getting toys.
0: Santa.
1: Santa. Opening presents. Getting what? Ultimate garage. Ultimate garage? That sounds awesome. (laughs) opening presents. All right. Uh, how many of you love that there's four more weeks till Christmas? How many of you wish it was tomorrow? Yeah. How many of you wish it was like Christmas all month long? No. All right. Well, tell you what. I'll tell you what, guys. You have to wait four more weeks. But... There's all kinds of fun things to do while you wait. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And you guys are going to be making some things. If you haven't, do they make it already? They're make, you're going to be making something in class, I think, or your brother and sister are. And you're going to get one of these calendars. And your parents are going to get one of these calendars. And there's all sorts of fun things to do while we wait for Christmas to come. And then after Christmas is here, there's more fun things. All right. Go to your class. Yay! Well, well, you can tell me after church, okay? All right. Have a great morning, and I want to talk to you a little bit about these calendars, and and talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing this month. Uh, you may have noticed that uh, the El- maybe some of you may not know the Ellis family that was up here earlier reading our uh, our first Advent reading. We will be doing this every Sunday as we get ready for Christmas. And, and as I mentioned to the kids, if you didn't pick one of these up in your Sunday school class, there are some out available. This is a, this is a calendar that we put together. Susie and I worked on this um, and put this together. This has some things to do for every day of Advent and then of Christmas as well. So Advent, for those of you who may not know, Advent is today. This day is the first Sunday of Advent, and there's the four Sundays before Christmas and then Christmas comes, and how many days of Christmas are there? Twelve, right? So, what we have here is we have, uh, daily activities for you to do with your roommates, with your family, with your friends, and, and the, the kids are gonna be making Advent wreaths, and so if you have kids, one of them is probably gonna be making them. If you don't have kids, guess what? You could get your own Advent wreath. And what we encourage you to do is, uh, each evening to, to, get your Advent wreath out, light your candle and and do the activity together. Some of these activities are more daytime activities. Um, but but we encourage you to engage with these and and do this do this project. We the last couple of years we've put together devotional guides and you may notice that there if you've been around the last couple of years that the themes are the same again this year. And this is a very important reason why why we do this and why we do this year after year after year after year. Last week Pastor Jim sang a song from Fiddler on the Roof a couple weeks ago. We could sing another one, tradition. Right? We we have traditions around Christmas time. How many of you have family traditions? Around Christmas time, yeah. Uh, I was noticing on social media that there's one family in our church that drinks peppermint mochas the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, as a family, whether they're spread out, they all get their own peppermint mochas. Uh, maybe maybe it's the Saturday after Thanksgiving, we set up our Christmas tree, or we go and we, we cut, cut one down, or we put up the lights, or we, we have days and we say, okay, here's the time that Christmas begins, and here's how we engage the season. And sometimes... You may, as, as, you may say, like, it's not Christmas unless we have this, right? Unless, unless somebody makes the candy cane cookies or somebody makes, and we have all these different things that say, this is what it means for it to be Christmas. And the reason we engage this season year after year after year is because these things speak to the story of Christmas. Uh, how many of you have heard the phrase "The war on Christmas?" A few of you maybe. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of this phrase, but uh, you may have heard this idea that that what we really need is to put Christ back into Christmas uh, and And we oftentimes the church talks about this and and what they mean is that Christ, Christmas as a holiday in our culture has become secularized. And if you look around, if you go shopping, if you do these things, you you'll notice this is this is true, right? This has become a cultural thing that even non-Christians celebrate Christmas, even they will not have anything to do with Jesus, they celebrate Christmas. And and the church rightly, I think pushes back on that and says, "No, we have to remember that this holiday, this season is about the coming of Jesus as as a baby and being born." But the way that we Hold to that, and the way that we remind ourselves and remind our culture about this is not by insisting that our cashiers tell us Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. Uh, and it's not putting bumper stickers on our car that say Jesus is the reason for the season or putting up big nativity sets. These things is, are great to say Merry Christmas, it's great to put up nativity sets, but the way in which we tell the story of Christmas and the way that we reclaim the story of Christ coming to earth for his people, is that we tell each year again and again and again and again and again again this story of God who became flesh and dwelt among us. And we need to hear it, we need to know it, we need to live it in the midst of our culture, in the midst of our hopes and our fears, uh, and we need to find our place within that story and within God's mission in the world. And when we as the church embody that story and live it out year after year, day after day, that's how we put Christ in Christmas. That's how we uh, fill out this story. And when we begin to live out of that truth, that's when we begin to, as a culture, as a church, to reclaim the story of Christmas. And so this uh, this little calendar here is just one tool uh, to help you and your family and your friends to do this. And again, there are daily activities, there are themes, and we encourage you to to do this together uh, each day. And obviously some days you may not be able to do it, but we encourage you to do your best with it. Uh, and hopefully it will be a tool to help you live out this story more fully and bring us as a church into the story so that we can live it out within Within our world. And so if you didn't get one of these in Sunday school, I encourage you to grab one. There's, uh, they're on the table here in in the narthex. Grab one on your way out. And we would love to have you participate in this with us. Uh, one more thing that you're, you're gonna grab on your way out is you may have noticed the, the Christmas trees on the, on the far side over here. And they have tags on them. And we do, we've done this, uh, every year for a while. And we have a different local organization, different local charity that we partner with that as we are giving gifts this Christmas season, part of the way that we give gifts is we also give to those who are in need. And so I encourage you to grab a tag off of, off of there that's really simple this year. Uh, we are collecting gift cards for the, the women and the families that live at the Vision House. Uh, those of you that maybe are familiar with that, those of you that aren't, Vision House. Uh, there are two Vision Houses. One here in Shoreline, and there's one down in Renton. And what they are is it's a it's a housing complex, an apartment for uh, for women and children who uh, are have been homeless and and need a place to, to live. And so we have we have partnered with Vision House over the years in helping build their Shoreline building and various other projects. And uh, this year we're just collecting gift cards. So you don't have to buy a, a gift and bring it in. Just Grab a tag. It has a suggestion for what kind of gift card you want to bring in and Safeway and, and different stores like that, and then we'll give them to the moms, and then they can go out and get the things that they need. So I encourage you to, to grab one or two or three, however many you feel. There are different price ranges on there, and grab one of those. Grab an advent calendar, and uh, we will we will do this. And the deadline for that is December 19th, so we just have a few weeks to bring those things in. Okay. I think we covered all of that, and now I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. One of the things that they teach you in preaching classes or in, in writing or any anything like that, Anytime time you're giving a presentation to somebody, uh, they say, make sure that you grab your audience right at the beginning, right? You want to make sure that you you hook them with something important. So with that being said, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron. Hezron the father of Ram. Ram the father of Aminadab. Aminadab the father of Nation. Nation the father of Salmon. Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed the father of Jesse. And Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram; Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, Abiud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Eliud, Eliud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. There are 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon and 14 from the exile to the Christ. Not exactly the most gripping introduction, is it? In fact, uh, I might profess to say that that might be the first time that you have ever heard that entire passage read on a Sunday morning in church. I could be wrong about that. Have you ever read that? Jim? What's that? Okay uh it's it's uh it's a boring way to begin a book, right? Uh, maybe a boring way to begin a sermon, but why does Matthew do this? right? He's got in the ancient world like paper and writing material he doesn't he can't just go down to uh, Costco and buy a, a ream of paper. He's got a he's he's writing on on scrolls or he's writing on, maybe vellum, which would have been like leather uh, skins that he's he's writing on. He He has a limited amount of resources that he can be writing on. And he takes his time to begin his book, begin his gospel, with a genealogy. Luke at least has the kindness to put it like in chapter 3, after you've kind of been caught in the story a little bit. But Matthew kicks off with this story, his story with this genealogy. Abraham, the father of Isaac, Isaac, and just again and again and again and again. And 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 so he sixteen verses of this this man, this man. Why does he do this? He does this because he's beginning his story of who Jesus was. He's beginning the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ with some history to remind the people who are reading this story of the context in which they find themselves. And the context in which all of these events are about to unfold. And the context for this is that it's been a really long time. There's been a lot and a lot of waiting. And he begins his genealogy with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I am going to bless you. Not only am I going to bless you, but I'm going to bless you and your descendants. And through your descendants, all people on earth will be blessed. And then they wait. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait. wait. And hundreds of years go by. We're told 14 generations go by. And in that time, Abraham's descendants have been sent into slavery. They've been slaves for a while. They've been brought out of slavery again. And in the midst of that, they become a a kingdom. They become a nation. And God has formed them into a nation. And it's, it's this fledgling nation that has all kinds of problems and it's It's struggling and it's becoming unified until finally it really becomes unified under the King David. And King David is the first great king of Israel. They had one before Saul who wasn't so great. And David becomes the first great king and and really the, the greatest king of Israel. And to David, God comes and he says, David, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless your descendants. And one of your descendants will sit on my throne forever. And there's this promise that has been given, that has begun with Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And through you and your descendants, all people on earth will be blessed. David, it's through you and your son that I will establish my kingdom. Fourteen generations passed between Abraham and David. And then, fourteen generations passed from David and the promise that, David, I'm going to bless your kingdom. And we see these names, and, and the people of the, these Jewish audience that would have been, these Jewish Christians that would have been reading Matthew's gospel would have seen and recognized these names of kings that have come after David some of them good kings, most of them not so good, until because of the failure of these kings and the leaders of Israel, these, these sons of David that were meant to be the ones to carry on this kingdom, the people are taken into exile into Babylon. And they're conquered. And, and the kingdom is, is destroyed. And yet, in that story... There is return from exile, and in the midst of that exile, we see we looked at this. There's there's all kinds of passages in in scripture that uh, that reference this. But I we were talked. I was teaching Rich's class on Habakkuk this morning, and so I just want to share one example of this. The people are are experiencing suffering in the midst of these wicked kings, and and the Babylonians are coming to 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 bring about their judgment. And to bring about destruction, And Habakkuk looks to the Lord and he says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. This is Habakkuk's experience. This is the experience of the people in the midst of what was meant to be a blessing and a promise that the the sons of David have failed. They haven't led righteously And instead, injustice prevails. And Habakkuk cries out, and throughout the Old Testament, you see this crying out, How long, Lord, will you allow our enemies to triumph over us? God, how long? And It's in the midst of this all goes wrong. The promise of Abraham. I will bless you and your descendants, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. The promise to David, David is through you that I will establish my kingdom. And then exile. Fourteen generations from Abraham to David. Fourteen generations from David to exile. And then fourteen generations until our story begins here in Matthew chapter 1 with the birth of Jesus who is called the Christ the Messiah. There is within this story a waiting, a longing, an expectation for God to fulfill his promises. 52 generations ago, God made his promise to Abraham. And they're still waiting. 36 generations ago, God made his promise for 28. Sorry, there's some math there. 28, God made his promise to David. And they're still waiting. Built into the story of Christmas is longing, is waiting, unmet desire, unmet needs. And the people have been waiting for God's promises and his plans to come to fruition. And so Matthew begins with this genealogy to remind the people, here is where we have been. Here is how long it has taken. And in the midst of all of it, here is how God has been faithful. That from Abraham we see names, we see individuals, we see all of these names, or many of them at least carry stories with them. And we see some of that even uh, in the women that are mentioned. Very strange to, to include women within a genealogy at this time. And the women that are included are, are not necessarily the most reputable of women. And yet it shows God's plan and God's provision and God's working to bring this story from Abraham to now Jesus, who is called the Christ. And what I want us to focus on this morning and to reflect on and to pause on is this question, how long, O Lord? The Advent is a time of waiting. We talk to the kids. Christmas is not here yet. Right? We have four more weeks until Christmas actually comes, and we wait for it, and we prepare for it. Christ had not come yet, and the people were waiting for it, and were preparing for it, and were expecting God to work but it didn't come, and it didn't come, and it didn't come, and yet they, they waited still. And the genealogy points to the people who continued to wait and wait and wait. How long, O oh Lord, must we wait? How long must we cry out to you for you to act? And oftentimes what happens in the midst of our waiting so we take a look at our, at our own life and we see, we could, we could hear ourselves praying the prayer of Habakkuk or the prayers of the psalmist that say, how long, O Lord? We can see that in our own lives, looking for God to act. We live in a moment in which Christ has come and yet the fulfillment of all of Christ's work is something we are still waiting for. We're waiting for Christ's second advent. We're waiting for God to come and redeem and restore His creation and to call us home and to bring about our final redemption. And we're in the midst of this world in which Christ has come and yet He is coming again, in which He has conquered sin and death through the cross and resurrection And yet we still see the effects of sin and death in our world every single day. And we are waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. And I don't know about you, but it's really hard to wait sometimes. And oftentimes in the midst of our pain in the midst of our unmet desires, in the midst of suffering and and hardship and heartache, we'll do anything we can to avoid the waiting, won't we? We'll distract ourselves with all kinds of things. We fill up our time, we fill up our lives with with whatever it is. I don't know about you, but oftentimes for me, the most natural thing that I do when I'm waiting, I'm waiting in line, I'm Check your email. Maybe take care of some business. Uh, send a text message. If nothing else, play play words with friends or play a game. Like we find all kinds of things to do to fill the empty space in our lives, and to fill the the ache that exists in our lives, the unmet desires that are that we're still waiting to have met. We find all kinds of distractions and all kinds of things to fill that void. To busy ourselves. To distract ourselves. Some of it's good things. Some of it's being productive. And this time especially, right, at Christmas time, we fill up the space as much as we can, right? One party to the next, one thing to the next. There's so much to do, so much to get done, And then Christmas comes, and it's over, right? We do it all for one day, and then we pack it all up, and it's done. Again, this is one of the reasons why we have the 12 days of Christmas uh, included in our calendars, that we prepare for four weeks, but then we celebrate not just for a day, and then it's over. But we celebrate, and we celebrate, and we celebrate. Because Christ has come. But now, we wait. And we wait. And we wait. And the invitation in the genealogy of Matthew, and the invitation in the Gospels, as we're given the accounts of Christ's birth and his coming, is that we direct our desires and we direct our waiting towards the one to who can fulfill those desires. When Habakkuk cries out, How long, O Lord? He's directing his complaint and his question and his waiting to the only one who can give a response. And oftentimes, again, we direct our complaints and our waiting towards all kinds of other sources and all kinds of other people. And so we'll say, how long to our friends who can't really do anything about it? And yet we're invited to to place our hopes and our trust in Christ. Christ. The story of Christmas says that we are waiting and we are longing and the only one who can fulfill our desires is Jesus, who is called the Christ. The only one who can should be the source of our hopes should be this tiny baby who will come. We sang this multiple times this morning, the desire of nations. That he is the one actually to whom all nations should find their fulfillment. And yet we as people and our nations uh, are looking for all sorts of other things to fulfill our desires. And the story again says, no, your longing, your desire should point back towards Christ. And we try to fill it with all sorts of other things. And the story keeps saying, no, it's, it's Jesus. He is the one to put your hope, in whom to put your hope. He is the one in whom to put your trust. And Paul speaks of this. We're gonna, we're gonna close with Romans chapter 8. Because Paul is writing now to a people who Christ has come. And he's writing to people who are in a situation very much like we are in, where Christ has come, his work has been accomplished, and yet we are still waiting for that final redemption. Romans chapter 8, Paul says this, verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning. So not just us waiting but actually all of creation is waiting. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we, eager, as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Paul is writing to a situation and to a people who says, we are in the situation in which we wait. We're waiting for God's final redemption. And this waiting is, is a hard waiting. He says, all of creation is groaning and this longing for this redemption to come. And we too who have the Spirit are groaning inwardly. Longing for God to act. Longing for this final redemption. Longing for the world to be put to rights finally. And we're longing. and We're groaning inwardly. Waiting for God's final work. And as we wait, he says, we wait patiently. In other words, we continue to wait and hope patiently, when God has not brought about the redemption that we are waiting for, we continue to wait faithfully and patiently. We continue to live faithfully and patiently, trusting that God will act. 52 generations from Abraham, the promise to Abraham, until Christ came. 14 generations in exile waiting for Christ to come. And the people were invited to wait. And the question that I have for you this morning is, how long will you continue to wait on the Lord? Will you continue to put your trust in Him and allow Him to be the one to fulfill and satisfy your desires? In the midst of the busyness of this season, We become so restless. But Augustine says, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And it's so easy to look for things to fill our desires and to fill the holes in our lives. And yet Paul invites us to groan and to place the the direction of our prayers and our longings to the one who can satisfy them. And to continue to wait. And to continue to cry out to Him. To continue to trust that He is the one who will act. We groan, we wait, and we hope. We groan, we wait, and we hope. And as we do so, we don't do this alone. But Paul says that the Spirit is actually interceding for us with groans that words cannot express. Notice that. It says all of creation is groaning. We too are groaning. But also the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is groaning as well. Longing for this redemption. Giving us words when we don't have the words. Continue to cry out to God. And he who searches our hearts, the God who knows our deepest desires, gives us the words, gives us the the language, gives us the prayers to cry out again and again and again. And so I don't have, uh, any conclusions for us this morning. Only questions. How long? How long will we continue to wait on the Lord? How long will we groan and hope? To whom will we direct our longings and our desires? Our invitation this week is to not fill and seek satisfaction in those desires from things from busyness, from from objects that we can buy, but to simply wait on the Lord. To become aware of our own pain. To listen to it. To go inward. And to hear the things that are still unmet within our own lives. The ways in which sin is still working inside of us. The ways in which we still suffer. The, the pain that still is digging inside of us and we don't fill it and ignore it and, and block it out but that we pay attention to it and we direct it and groan towards Christ and allow him to be the one to fulfill our desires. And as we do so, we wait and wait and we wait we continue to wait today and tomorrow. And we look Towards the longing and the desires of our world, and we say, can I tell you where to point those desires? To Jesus Christ. In the meantime, we continue to wait. Let's pray. God, as we uh, begin this season of preparation, of expectation. We are aware of our own weaknesses. We're aware of our own desires. We're aware that things are not right in our world. And oftentimes we desire to to take matters into our own hands. We desire to be the ones in control. And we say, if, if I were in control, here's how I would do it. And we put our hope in ourselves. We put our hope in other people. We put our hope in other things. Or we just distract ourselves from it all. And yet you invite us back to trust that you are working. You invite us to have patience. You invite us to live by faith. You invite us to put our hope only in you. And so we ask for the strength to do that this week. The wisdom Seek after you and you alone. Let in your name. Amen.
0: We want to thank you for coming and joining us for worship today. And again, as Gary mentioned, there are some things in the back there we want you to uh, share in. Be sure to take one of the notes off the Christmas tree and be willing to share with uh, the ladies and the families, the women and children at the Vision House, and also to sign up for the event next weekend. And also the ladies have a cookie exchange. It's a wonderful time with this fellowship and uh, fun together as we celebrate Christmas. But Thank you so much for coming. Join us next Sunday. I also want to mention that uh, we got word yesterday that our brother Dewey Galahar was called home to be with the Lord after his struggle with, uh, with cancer. And he's with the Lord today. And Dewey, of course, served here in our elder board and was part of our ministry. He and, uh, Bev. and so we want you to pray for Bev and for the extended family. And we'll have information about the memorial service to make sure that's available as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, your love for us. Thank you for the message of hope this morning. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, we wait in patience and in hope and in faith and in your deliverance. And we look forward to that day. We look forward to the day as we think of loved ones who have been called home. We look forward to that wonderful day when we will be together to worship and to celebrate with joy, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and life eternal. Be with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray you'll place it in our hearts to be vessels that share that love and share that message of hope, especially this time of year when hearts may be open and tender uh, toward the gospel message. May we share that love and hope. May one come to know Christ this week, even through the ministries of this church and the people here, and walk into eternal life. We pray this in Christ our Savior's name. All God's people can say together, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming today.